0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Meeting Podcast from Kingdom of Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Kate Abel.
1: Just one small notice from following on from what Paul said. <clears throat> I'm not a pastor, so don't come and see me. <laughs> if you've got issues or things that you need some loving care, please go and visit Den or visit Deborah you you'll get a much more loving answer from them <laughs> than me but i am your leader i'm so proud to be your leader i started this weekend in tears and spent most of the weekend in tears so don't be surprised that I'll be spending most of this time in tears. The first tears was in the first prayer meeting at 11 o'clock on Friday morning. And Paul reminded us, um, I can't even remember the song now. What song was it we sang? No, No Other Name. How can I forget? (laughs) (laughs) Ten years of singing it. (laughs) No Other Name. And he reminded us that we stood on Oliver's Mount And we looked across Scarborough, asking God, God, is this where you want us to come? And we sang that song. And it just struck me that all you are the answer to that prayer. All you Have made what's happened here happen. I know it was God, and I know it was by the power of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus probably had a bit to do with it as well. (laughs) But it was you. We stood on Oliver's Mount and we had a vision of having a safe place in this town. We stood on Oliver's Mount and we had the vision of a castle and having a strong tower. Somewhere strong that people could come to and feel safe. And you are that. You are that. So the faithful, faithful people who were here when we arrived and we just got dumped on them like Mike and Kate and Nigel and Elka and Peter and Anne and others of you and, and those that have only just joined. You are the answers to all that prayer. You are the answers to our dream. And the dream that God gave us, and the promises that God gave us. You are the promise. It's been a really emotional weekend for me, and um, something weird happened last night. When I was listening to Stu and he was sort of saying that he just took it by faith, I was like, obviously, because <laughs> that's the j- sensible thing to do without all this strange falling over and laughing and manifestations. Well, apart from crying. Crying was okay because I do that a lot. So that was normal, so that's fine. Anything else is just, well, okay for them, but, you yeah, know, I really don't need it. And I'm, um, I i do not know, I don't know what happened, I am, um, <laughs> I, I felt the fire of God flow through all my veins, through all my arteries, through, through all my cells, my stomach hurt so much and it was like I was having seizures. And I said to Sally afterwards, I said, I was really weird. I felt like I was having seizures. And she went, yeah, you look really weird. (laughs) And Pete said, yeah, you were really funny. I was on the stage watching. It was so funny. I was like, thanks. I was kind of hoping it was just like between me and God. But obviously not. Um, But God burnt up stuff. Chloe talked about having a clean river and how junk can be put in our river and how the junk in river distorts the flow of that river and yeah I I think it will take me weeks months to unpack what God did but one of the things I know he did he took away that last root of rejection and shame that I've been living with for the whole of my life. Two years ago, um, when I had my breakthrough, breakdown, (laughs) whatever you want to call it, uh, I actually asked God, because Claire gave me a really great word about there being a root of something. There was a root of rejection in my life, and God was tilling the soil around it so it would come out. And so... I was praying, and I asked God, God, where did this seed first get planted in my life? And he said something so out of the blue, it must have been God, really, because he said, when your mom told your dad she was pregnant, (laughs) that's not saying anything about my dad, but, My dad and mum were 21, 22. They had a -a two-and-a-half-month-old baby. And then she told him she was pregnant again. It must have been hard. But but God said, something happened then. And something went into you then. And that's why you've lived with it for so long. And And you know from my testimony before that God did so much in me at that time. But I think last night he took that last little bit of root, that deep tape root out so I can stand in front of you this morning and I can say I'm your leader. No, no. Okay, sit, down, sit, down. sit down. God, rebellious laugh, I don't know. Thank you. Last year, at this 17, Paul Manwaring's last words to us, the last challenge he gave us, was that we needed to start believing that our cry would be the tipping point. That our cry would be the cry that changed Scarborough. And he challenged us to say, find your cry. Find your noise. Find your sound. And release it. Because things happen once a cry has gone out. And he said, God. God maybe have been waiting for a generation to rise up to call out for a seaside town in North Yorkshire and it's been so exciting over these last for me since the beginning of the year definitely how we have found our cry how that cry has been released and God's going to do something with that cry because he cried out let there be light and light exploded Elijah heard the sound of the rain. And then he prayed and he interceded shamelessly, audaciously. And then the rain came. Yes. There is a sound before the action. Yes. So that was so exciting to see how that has been accomplished. But the other thing he left us with. Was the challenge of how big is your cup? How big is your understanding? What are you taking hold of? Thanks, Ron. I can put it here. Thank you. When you come today, the Eucharist, to the communion, to a family meal. What are you taking hold of? What are you appropriating in your life? How big is your cup? Our understanding of what is in that cup needs to get bigger. Our cup needs to get bigger. For Scarborough, for Yorkshire, for Great Britain, for Europe, for the world. Our cup's got to get bigger. Are you understanding the symbolism, the history, the promises that are in that cup? Or are you just sipping a bit of grape juice? As 21st century Christians, a lot of the symbolism, a lot of the history has sort of been lost to us. When those disciples were in the upper room with Jesus, they understood when he said, he lifted the cup and he blessed it and they shared it because there'd been many Friday night meals together. There'd been other Passovers that they'd shared together. They'd been to at least one wedding together, but probably many more, where cups had been lifted, where cups were blessed and cups were shared. So there was a history. There was being part of the story of generations, of God's promises to them as a people, right back from Exodus. Passover was an ancient tradition when Jesus did it. Shabbat is a very precious time for Jewish people. It actually starts on Friday um, when the sun goes down. It goes through to Saturday when the sun goes down. And the Shabbat starts with a family meal. That's just so God, isn't it? It's all family, all community, all connection. And Jewish families will get together and they'll, they'll pair a meal and they will elegantly lay the table. And they will lift a cup and they will bless it and they will share it. And they will break bread And share that. And fathers bless their children on a Friday night. And children see their fathers thanking God and blessing their mother. How amazing would that be? To grow up every week and see your father praying for your mother. Thanking God for your mother and blessing your mother. And you as a child been thanked and blessed. You have a father and he blesses you. And he's pleased with you. And he's thankful for you. So it's a special time. And the disciples would have known this because they'd have grown up. They'd have grown up with all that tradition. They would have seen it they'd have seen their extended family sharing this precious meal together, this family time. So when Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, on that night of all nights, he gathered the disciples together. One who was going to... Um, sorry... One who is going to betray him. One who is going to deny him. And the others who are going to just run away in fear. On that night of all nights, he said. Guys. Come closer. I'm going to fulfill something tonight. That will make us even closer than we are now. I'm going to be pouring out my blood of the new covenant. So I can live in relationship with you. To a betrayer. To a denier. To those too scared to stay around. Come closer. This is a special night. You're going to see things tonight. I'm going to do things tonight. I'm going to fulfill things tonight for you. That night of all nights. Earlier. When he'd been in Capernaum, Jesus had been teaching. And he shocked many of his followers. And I've got some verses from John that will go up. I guess they're coming. Okay, I'll carry on. In John 6, verse 53. Ah, there we go. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and you drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Yeah, I bet they did. I mean, I would have been one of them, wouldn't you? Aware of this, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Duh, yeah. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are, are the Holy One of God. I love the scriptures where it just says, um, this was hard teaching. I was like, yeah, weird. Weird, strange, hard. Hoid. And does this offend you? I mean, you can imagine how many people heard this and said, well, they must have walked away shaking their heads. Thinking, he's such a great teacher. I've seen him do amazing things. He's impacted people's lives and, and healed people. He, he's got a welcoming presence about him. There's something that draws me to him. But now he's telling me to eat his flesh and drink his blood. I think I'd have been one of them. I think I'd have walked away and gone, ooh, too much. And I love Simon Peter's answer. Well, to whom should we go? Hey, Jesus, don't you, don't you remember? I remember we forsook all. We gave everything up. We, we gave up the family business. I, I've, le- I've left my family. I've, I've left my security. Um, The buck stops with you, Jesus. There's nowhere else for us to go. You. You are the word. And you are the eternal life. There's nowhere else for us to go. So then, on the last night when Jesus lifted the cup, and he said, this is the new covenant of my blood. As often as you drink it, you demonstrate my death until I come again. And when I was younger, I really didn't understand that. Why are we doing something that demonstrates such a ghastly, horrible, cruel death? And I'd sit in church, and the words would be said. And I'd see people walk up very solemnly, very seriously, and come back very seriously and solemnly and sit back down. And I would just think, this is weird. This is beyond weird, it's just crazy. Why are we demonstrating a death? And to tell you the truth, even after I was born again, I didn't actually like communion in a corporate setting. Um, When our boys were small, we used to share communion most Sundays at, at the Sunday dinner table as family, and if we had guests through there. And I loved that because it was. I suppose, in relationship, and it, and, and, it, and it was in a family context. But, yeah, I, I've struggled for a long time to actually not only understand communion, but actually stop drinking a bit of grape juice. I guess now I think it's amazing that God can take the most life-changing, life-giving thing and make it into a boring drought service. It's pretty astonishing. So for many years, I just sipped some grape juice. I didn't partake of the promises and the story of God. And last year, for those of you who are here, you would have seen Paul wearing do such a visual display and explanation of what is in this cup. When he had many smaller cups, many smaller individual promises that God has given. And he physically tipped small cups into a really large cup. And I think honestly, that was probably the first time I took communion and actually received some of the depth of it and had some of the understanding behind it. Because by demonstrating Jesus' death, we demonstrate his life. And we demonstrate his sacrifice. Without his willing sacrificial death. There would be no redemption. There would be no salvation. There would be no torn curtain. A new covenant. A new relationship. A new connection. For now. Not just eternal life in the future. But for now is in that cup. You see, without the cross, there'd be no death. There'd be no all-sufficient sacrifice. Without the sacrifice, there'd be no grave. Without the grave, there'd be no resurrection. And without the resurrection, there'd be no ascension. And with no ascension, Jesus wouldn't be seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding, for you and for me to bring us into relationship, interconnection, as part of his story. Died, buried, risen and resurrected, and now interceding. Fully God, fully man. That's what we need to remember when we drink the cup. That's what was accomplished when we drink the cup. Demonstrating his victory. But through his death. We see one cup, the disciples see many. So many promises that we're grafted into from the Old Testament, the promises from the New Testament. We're part of the story, we're part of his story right from the garden of Eden. From the garden of creation. From the garden of connection and first relationship. From the garden where they would walk in the cool of the day. From the garden where there was a river flowing. We're part of that story from then to the next garden. The garden of Gethsemane the garden of struggle the garden of surrender the garden of take this cup from me no, not my will but your will be done where rivers of sweating blood poured out to the garden near Gogotha. The garden of resurrection, the garden of the empty tomb, the garden where Mary mistaked Jesus for a gardener before he was revealed to her as the Christ. Who have you been mistaking Jesus for? This was a garden of tears of sorrow, but then tears of joy. (laughs) Finally, To the end of Revelation. Where there's a garden in the holy city. That's flowing from the throne of God. Crystal clear. No junk in this one. No distortion in this one. And by the side of that river. There are the trees of life. And on those trees. Are the leaves for the healing of the nations. And we can stand in that river and we need to catch those leaves and take them to the nations. We're part of the story. When we drink from this cup, we're acknowledging the whole story. We're not sipping some grape juice. We're participating in God's story. You are part of the answer. Oh, this, I'm just going to get rid of most of this, excuse me. Band, band, please, can you come up? Sorry, I've got stuff you don't need to hear. I'll tell you about it later if you want to know. All the Passover cups. Are in here. The Shabbat cups, the wedding cups, all the promises, all the blessings, the new life, the torn curtain, relationship, connection, the truth that sets us free is in here. We've been taken out of slavery. We've been
0: taken from one kingdom to another. We've been delivered. Bondages have been broken. Addictions broken. Shackles gone. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. We have been brought back by a Redeemer. We have been made acceptable. We have been paid for at such a price. We have been brought into relationship Intercovenant, interconnection. How big is your cup? This cup, this cup is Jesus. Jesus is the cup. Jesus was lifted high and his blood was poured out. How big is your cup? Who shrunk your cup? What have you allowed in your life to shrink your cup?
1: Get it right, right now. Because we're gonna come and we're gonna partake of the bread and the wine. And your cup needs to be big because your
0: Lord God is big. your cup accomplishes and makes you part of the story let's all stand this is the cup of salvation this is the cup of the tall curtain. This is the cup of redemption. This is the cup of promise. This is the cup of new life. This is the cup of new covenant. This is the new cup of relationship and connection. This is the new cup of hope, grace and mercy. This is the cup of health and sozo. This is the cup of wholeness. This is the cup of joy. This is the cup of holiness. This is the cup of every spiritual blessing. Jesus is your cup. The Lamb of God is your cup. The willing sacrifice is your cup. The all-sufficient one is your cup. The door of salvation is your cup. The lion of Judah is your cup. The good shepherd is your cup. The light of the world is your cup. The prince of peace is your cup. The king of glory, the Lord of heaven is your cup. The highway of holiness, the alpha and omega, The gateway of glory is your cup. The great high priest, the wonderful counsellor, the great I am, the almighty one. The author and perfecter of your faith is your cup. The desired of the nations, the beloved son of God, the chief cornerstone, the resurrection and the life is your cup. The King of Kings is your cup. The Lord of Lords is your cup. The way, the truth and the life is your cup. How big is your cup? How big is your cup? How big is your cup? cup?